The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 152 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show on my own are not that of my present or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and get a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at the very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and to get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Well, last week we had Chairman and CEO of MLI Group, Mr. Khaled Fatel, rejoin me on episode number 151 of Task Force 7 Radio to give us his opinion on survivability. Mr. Fatel also discussed how fake news and false narratives have become a national corporate survivability and security threat. He gave us his thoughts on traditional journalism and how it could be improved to be more effective. Don't sweat it if you missed it, folks. You can find us everywhere on Playback. That's our fake news and false narratives and national and corporate survivability threat on last week's episode. That's episode number 151 of Task Force 7 Radio. So we have another return guest for you tonight, the global CISO chief privacy officer and vice president of internal audit for 247.ai. Dr. Rebecca Wynn has come back to join me on the show. Dr. Rebecca Wynn is an author and highly sought after keynote speaker at information security and cybersecurity privacy events named 2017 Cybersecurity Professional of the Year, Cybersecurity Excellent Awards, the Chief Privacy Officer, SC Magazine, Global Privacy and Security by Design, International Council Member, and Women in Technology Business Role Model of the Year in 2018. Dr. Rebecca Wynn is, Wynn is lauded as a game changer who is 10 steps ahead in developing and enforcing cybersecurity and privacy best practices and policies. She's a big picture thinker who brings nearly 20 years of experience in privacy, compliance, risk management, information security, assurance, and technology. She led the information security, privacy, and compliance pre-acquisition, acquisition, and post-acquisition of LearnVest Incorporated to the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, a Fortune 100 company. She's well known for being a gifted polymath, having deep understanding of current cybersecurity challenges and privacy issues. She excels at building and leading top-performing teams, evaluating and implementing new technologies to keep pace with rapidly changing business needs, delivering innovative solutions to keep ahead of potential security challenges and privacy issues, and taking companies to the next level of excellence in many sectors, including government, financial services, fintech, healthcare, legal, semiconductors, technology, and retail. It's my pleasure to introduce Global CISO Chief Privacy Officer and VP of Internal Audit for 247.ai, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. Rebecca, welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio. 
Thanks, Andy. It's an honor and pleasure to be back here at Task Force 7. Yeah, we love having you here on the show. And uh, we're always appreciative when you make, make the effort to come on. I know you're totally busy. Um, tell me a little bit more about 24-7. What's the company do? Well, 24-7, that's number two, number four, number seven, dot AI. We're a leader in the AI-powered digital and voice automation. And so what it means is that we help brands create effortless and personalized customer experiences and we've been doing that for well over 20 years because we've had contract, excuse me, not contract, but contact operational expertise. And we have technical expertise as well and chatbots and different things along those lines. Um, brands are able to manage their virtual and their human um, conversations from a single platform. And that helps them deliver seamless omnichannel experiences to the customers across voice and digital. And what that does is it saves the brands time and money, improves their MPS scores, helps them grow their business, and people can find out more about the company by going to our website, which is www.247.ai. I repeat, that's www, the number two, the number four, the number seven, dot AI. Remember, we make it simple for customers to connect with companies and get things done. Yeah, I love it. So, so NPS, Net Promoter Score, what, what's, let's give our audience a little bit of background on what, what that is. Um, what Net Promoter Net Promoter Score here is NPS helps companies do is evaluate the customer loyalty and the likelihood of that customer recommending the company, maybe the product, the brand, the service to a friend or, or a colleague. So how it differs from other benchmarks, such as like your customer satisfaction score, or maybe you hear that as the customer effort score, is that it measures the customer's overall sentiment about your brand versus their perception of a singular interaction or purchase. And really recently, there was a um, report from Bain Company that found that if you can retain even um, a 5% increase in profits from um, a customer, um, I should say if your score increases 5% over that, with that customer, then you can see 25% to 95% increase in that ROI. So you can see how a strong partnership with 24-7, we can help customers better serve their customers and grow the business, they'll increase the profits for the company and enhance so they can have better services to their customers. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, I think, you know, look, branding is everything. And we talk about it in the context of, you know, companies wanting to help their uh, customers and customer retention, deal with customer return. But then we also talk about your brand in cyber, um, you know, in, in you know, creating your own personal brand. And so just branding is just in general is so important. So it's cool you guys have, you know, focused on the customer piece, but I'd love to, maybe we can chat separately again around, you know, what we can do around our own personal brand. And it'll be a lot of a fun conversation. It's, ama it's amazing stuff. So, you know, you're, you're right. You got a lot of stuff going on. Get what's the, what's the exciting things you got coming up right now that we should be looking out for? Well, um, recently I've been named to two advisory boards. It's for cyber theory and also for HMG strategy and, between both of them, recently I was featured as a panelist on Cybersecurity Leadership, a new threat landscape that's available on the Cyber Theory website, but also several outlets. You can even find it up on YouTube. Um, Technology Magazine has me on the cover um, of their magazine here coming up in the next month or two. It'll be about a 12-page spread about me and also 24-7, so I'm really excited about that. Doing a few more podcasts. I'll be on a few more um, you know, virtual panels and things along those lines. At the end of the month, what I'm really, really excited about is I'm a finalist for the Security Champions of the Year Award in Women in IT. 
and the Ward Banquet is happening on October 29th. Um, so people can also follow me on LinkedIn, which I'm really active on. Man, that's awesome. We're super uh, excited for you there. I mean, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't, you know, it'll be a big drum roll between now and then, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully you get it. We're looking forward to seeing you bring that trophy home. Um, so look, Cybersecurity Awareness Month's coming up. Tell us the audience a little bit about, you know, how they can get involved, the background of Cybersecurity Awareness Month and just kind of, you know, what, what are your plans? Now, um, October is global and national Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And that's been going on as a, as a global effort since 2003. It was started uh, as a collaboration between the U.S. Homeland Security and National Cybersecurity Alliance. But again, that's gone globally. And what they do is every year they, they have a theme. And, and this year's theme for Cybersecurity Awareness Month is do your part. So you can also look at hashtag be cyber smart. And then you can see that people around the world are, are putting out tidbits to remind people on doing different things with, with cyber so people can get involved that way. So the reason why we picked Be Cyber Smart is the, the theme really empowers individuals and organizations to really own the role in protecting their part of cyberspace with the emphasis on, on really looking at it. if you connect it, protect it. And again, you as an individual collecting to the whole world, if you connect it, protect it. And if everyone does their part, we'll have stronger security practices. It's not only in our community, it's only around our families, but also around work and again, as part of our country, you know, against this, this whole global uh, workforce that we all are. And each week in October, what the um, Alliance does is they actually have each week a theme and they try to have everybody globally stay to that theme. And you think about that's really great synergies to go ahead and be educating the whole world on cybersecurity. So October 1st and 2nd falls on a Thursday and Friday. So that's kickoff, people to say they're getting involved and get people really prepped. But then October 5th will be the really first week. So that thing will be if you connect it, protect it. So that's in line with our online, offline um, lives um, because it's really indistinguishable anymore as we're all working from home. Yeah. And we, we look at how we connect at home and the different things that are connecting to our devices at home and then how we're trying to connect into work. And so it's really trying to focus a lot on getting people to think about whether it's your cell phones, your mobile device, your personal systems, your work systems. I'm really being mindful on doing something um, like not even having antivirus or something that on your system, right? You can negatively affect other people and you can affect the world. So there'll be a lot of different messages along those lines. And what they do is up on the website, they also give um, things that people can tweet about. They have a lot of resources up there and I'll give everybody the website here in a moment as well. Um, the second week, is really focusing on individuals on how they can really um, check their systems and be better at um, securing their own network. And then as they connect to work, right, how they should maybe have um, a separate network um, to connect to work. So securing devices at home and work. So it would be how to protect your kids, how to protect your family, and also how to go ahead and have that segregated from work and how to do things along those lines. So and so it'll be a lot of steps around that globally. Again, the website has some really great stuff. And then third week, which is October 19th, we'll, we'll be looking at healthcare and how to, to do the internet connections with healthcare. Now, if your company doesn't do healthcare, you can always kind of switch that out. But one of the things that they do want to be mindful about is that since a lot of us are at home anymore, we do a lot of things with telemedicine and telehealth with healthcare professionals. And, and how should we be mindful about that? Websites are, are really good about um, having encrypted. You'll see the, the lock and the HTTPS. 
but what should you be doing on your mobile phone? What should you be doing on your family? How you should be interacting with the healthcare professionals, also the healthcare professionals, how they should be doing with us. So trying to go ahead and, and really focus on that. You know, the frontline um, fighters in this whole COVID-19 have done an excellent job. Um, so I always tell um, everyone to, to go ahead and, and hit some on, on healthcare. And then if there is a special um, item that you do personally, if you're maybe you're in technology or in education, it also gives you a chance to kind of branch into a little bit on both. Again, the hashtag Big Cyber Smart. And then the fourth week is, is looking at the future. So there's been a lot of buzz around, um, you know, 5G, you know, as we look at other internet of things, as we're connecting light switches and things like that, really focusing on being mindful along those lines. Um, you know, since 20, you know, 2008, really, I've been um, a part of this champion and I've brought it to every single country and not country, I've brought it to every single company I've worked with. And, and this year, 24-7 uh, is doing it as well. And we're proud to be 2020 champions. Um, you as a company out there can also participate as being a champion. You can look at the champions list. There's a lot of companies globally who are part of this. And the website is www.staysafeonline.org. Again, staysafeonline.org. You can become a champion. You can go ahead and get media. You can get resources. Um, even if you're an individual, go up online. There's some great stuff up there. And then look for that hashtag. Um, be cyber smart because you'll see global companies are, are putting a lot of great information out there to make it not only safer for you, your family, the communities that you're in, but for your company. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I really appreciate the work that you do. I mean, I love Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Obviously, at TF7, it's 24-7, 365 Cybersecurity Awareness Month here. But, you know, just globally putting an emphasis on, you know, these, these critical issues, especially with what we're doing right now. I think those are great topics. Um, and I, I got some further questions for you when we hit the next segment. But for right now, folks, we got to transition to a commercial break. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, even Instagram at searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7, that's with the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsor. We'll be right back with Global CISO, Chief Privacy Officer, and VP Internal Audit for 247.ai. Dr. Rebecca Wynn. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. 
X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. But it can bankrupt your company. It's internal risk. Insider fraud, ethics violations, and remote workforce risk have plunged many a company into reputational crisis. Don't be one of them. The corporate investigative team at Bluecoat have managed cybersecurity and risk mitigation in the White House, Silicon Valley, and everywhere in between. To see how Bluecoat can help protect you, visit TrustBlueCoat.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Global CISO, Chief Privacy Officer and VP of Internal Audit for 247.ai, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. So, Rebecca, what are some of the online safety basics that our listeners can be doing at home? You know, that's a really good question. One thing I always tell people is really pay attention to what you see in the news, um, what you see well-established business doing, um, what they hear people like myself tell them to do. Because um, what I hear way too many times is when something bad happens to either small business owners, systems, or happens to new individuals, they'll say, you know what, I was told so many times to do X, Y, and Z. You know, if I only would have listened, then, you know, their files wouldn't get encrypted, you know, a virus wouldn't have made them go to a system restore point or something along those lines. So, so always go ahead and, and pay attention to what you're told and really Try and act on it. Um, and get back to the core of your question, though. Um, spam and phishing is always something to watch out for. You know, it, it doesn't take much money to, to go ahead and be able to, to send out a bunch of emails to everybody. What, what a friend of mine recently said, you know, the spray and pray method, just send out a bunch because it only takes one person to act on that. Yep. 
and then you go ahead and you'll see that something nefarious happens or someone might have, uh, you know, bought something um, through them, got gift cards or something like that. But, you know, cyber criminals themselves have become really savvy in their attempts to, to lure people in and, and get, us, get people to click on a link and open an attachment, send gift cards, you know, which is always one of those things that are going around. Um, or more um, threatening right now is getting your credentials. And, and I'll give you guys an example, because even the other day, um, I was at work, we got, I had gotten an email through, and we have very detailed defense in depth. But, you know, when you're defending in depth, you know, there's always those, those zero days, the ones that come that you weren't preparing for. And the night before, I had um, networking team was backing up um, some, some of my um, more secure drives and all the stuff in the company. And, and I got an email in and said, hey, we just saw, like, last night, 93 um, files of yours um, went ahead and got deleted. You know, you should go ahead and check it out. And I'm like, what? Um, and I immediately went ahead and forwarded the email to the network team and the security operations center, which I run. And they came back and they said, no, no, this is a phishing attempt. And it, it was just the right timing for me because I had people backing up a drive. But what it did is it looked like um, it looked like it was from, you know, a, a OneDrive that was happening. It looked like it would go into a SharePoint. And what it would have done is if I could have clicked on it and be accept, successful, um, which it wouldn't have been because we, we have a sandbox set up. But what it would have done is it would have tried to grab my credentials to actually be able to get into Microsoft accounts and SharePoint accounts and along those lines. So even if, if you're like someone like me who is well aware, timing of some of those ones can just be the right timing to make you think that, hey, this is, this is reasonable. Um, so I want to remind everybody to just keep, keep on your toes at all points in time. And if it seems fishy, you know, um, go ahead and get with your networking team and, and get with your SOC team. And it's better to go ahead and send them to them and say, hey, that's from us, than to go ahead and click and have something um, bad happen um, to them. So always keep your antivirus updated. Always keep your systems updated and patches. Um, use something like a URL filtering, um, such as umbrellas, something like that. You know, I always tell people to um, work with really, really good um, vendors who are building in a lot of these protections, such as Microsoft Outlook, and then always partner with someone like um, Proofpoint, um, who can go ahead and protect you from a, a top and middle layer. Besides that, watch out for your social networks, your text messages. Um, you know, watch out. I get people who will write me on LinkedIn and they'll say, hey, I know such and such. I will tell you, I always check with those people and they're like, I don't even know who these people are talking about. Um, LinkedIn profiles, Facebook, things like that. Look and see if the, the, the people even exist at times or if those profiles have just popped up. Another thing to, to watch out is really the online shopping and especially during like COVID-19, we saw that coming up a lot. And it was, it's really easy for anybody today just to create a website. You can create a website in almost a nanosecond. So you really have to look at those websites have been up for a long period of time and how you can do that is look at who is. Um, look to go ahead and see if they're part of Better Business Bureau. Go ahead and, um, you know, you can check with your banks. You can go ahead and check with your credit cards. They're really good that as soon as these are coming on as fraud, they try and go ahead and block their charges. But especially if you're looking for stuff like Lysol and Lysol works, it's really easy to go ahead and have a website that looks like a complete storefront and look like, wow, I can go ahead and I don't have to, you know, buy Lysol for, you know, $10 a can. And you're like, great, it's $10 a can. It's a couple dollars more, but I can do it. And then like, yeah, shipping charges is $40, right? Then we're seeing that quite a bit. But then you might go to this website that looks really good. And they'll say, hey, we'll sell it to you for $8 and a $2 shipping charge. And it really is too good to be true. 
and 99.99% of the time it's too good to be true. It really, really, really is. So super pay attention to your gut. And it's easy for any of us to kind of fall from them, especially if it's late at night and you have insomnia and you're not thinking, uh, but always think. And people ask, well, what happens if I do fall from one of those? And I'm like, oh, crap. Well, if you use PayPal or something like that, let PayPal know. Immediately call out to your credit card and they'll deal with it with their fraud. Um, go ahead and for the United States, let the FTC know. It was through your bank, let your bank know. One, they'll go ahead and block those sites really quickly. They'll, they'll go ahead and, and try to help you get your money back through um, their fraud services and things like that. And the main thing is really let others know because again, we're in the world. We want to protect each other in the world and you know, don't beat yourself up too, too much. Um, word to the wise, right? It can happen to everybody once, um, you know, fool me once, right? Shame on you. Um, but don't try and have that second and third time. Um, right. Back, yeah, right. Backups, back up your data. You know, one thing on backups, you know, and I've done this myself where I've had backups of backups of backups of backups of backups of backups, right? You're doing full backups all the time. You don't necessarily need to do that. You know, go ahead and do a, a full backup of all your, your critical files, documents, you know, your images, your pictures and stuff like that. I'm, I'm talking about personal level. Um, corporations already have this in place. But then what you can do is you can do what's called a differential incremental backup. So what you can do then is just look and see what of those files have changed and make a copy of those files that have changed and the new files that you've then created. So you don't have to spend as much time creating a full backup each and every time. And people always ask me what's kind of good to do that. Well, there's a lot of great things out there. Crash plan is one. You know, you can do it on OneDrive. There's Amazon. There's a lot of different places like that you can do that, but you need to be able to do that. Um, another thing is individual, you see this at work, you have a virtual private network. And the reason why that's important is it gives you a, an encrypted tunnel um, for you to be able to do all your interactions on online banking, different things along those lines. And so I do this on all my personal systems. And I would tell you the things I tell you about antivirus, anti-malware, VPNs. I do it on my phone as well and my other mobile devices. And you should do that too. If it's free, VPN, nothing comes free. So I really recommend that you pay for a good VPN. Um, people always ask me like, what do, you, what do you recommend on that? There's a lot of great ones out there. Um, Outlook, um, not Outlook, excuse me, but Lookout is really good for free mobile devices. There's several good ones out there. NordVPN um, is really good um, on VPN. But again, there's a lot of great services out there. Um, just go ahead and take a look. If you still have questions, ping me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, and I really could, could spend a whole lot of time um, on this question. We could spend the whole time on the question, um, but I know we want to get other questions. But I just want to remind everybody on your bank accounts and on your credit card accounts, if you haven't already gone into those accounts and enabled multi-factor authentication, do that. That means that if someone tried to get in through the website, things like that, that they're going to try and authenticate maybe to your phone um, to go ahead before they do anything. Um, also, what you want to do is if your banks aren't using those, go ahead and encourage them strongly to do it, or maybe think about switching banks or credit cards to someone who does do that. The other thing is, is, is that most of them will allow you to go ahead and give you a, a text message to your phone or email anytime your card or your bank has a charge on it whatsoever. So I set mine on zero, and I have been able to catch a thief in real time by doing that. Um, they've actually pinged my phone before. I was volunteering at a place and says, hey, you just bought a $979 mobile phone. I'm like, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Immediately called the, the fraud department. And actually the person was still there. They actually were looking down to buy accessories. 
Um, and so the bank was immediately able to, to ping the store and um, the person yeah, didn't have a nice life after that. So do that. The other thing you can do too is if you're buying way too much stuff in a day, maybe it'll slow you down. It does mean um, when I do that. Um, so really go ahead and do that. Um, and then always, um, you know, have, you know, complex um, passphrases on every one of your accounts. They need to be unique. They need to be very, very long. If you go ahead and, um, well, you do need to change those um, several times a year. And if you hear, you know, you had X company that um, had some, identification issues, some people's accounts were, were, were hacked or broken into, where you know, they're encouraging them to change your username and passwords, and you haven't been asked, go change yours too. Um, don't, don't believe that yours don't hasn't assume. been attacked. Yeah, don't assume. Yeah, it's really comprehensive. I mean, that's a good, great overview. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of crazy stuff, I think, going on where like the physical world is, you know, kind of blending in with cyber these days, especially through phishing and some recent cyber attacks. Can you just give a little bit more, um, you know, around what companies, you know, uh, have been seen this year? Well, the one that we've really been talking about the last couple of days been really scary is um, the German patient who appears to be the first patient to die from a cyber attack. Um, it's really, really sad and heart goes out to, to the family who's involved in that. Um, but what happened is um, in Dusseldorf, a patient was, was rushed to the hospital for an emergency, and that hospital was hit with a ransomware attack. And so they couldn't get into their systems, and so they had to take the patient um, to about 30 kilometers, you know, 20 miles or so away, and the patient didn't make it. They died in transport um, because of the delayed in service. Um, which again, our, our hearts go out, go out, go out to that, to that family. Um, and that is, you know, we've had that happen worldwide. We've had hospitals hit. In, in this case, it appears that the um, hackers really were trying to get to the university. As you might be aware, educational systems like universities are being actually hit right now. Um, and since the hospital university was in the name, um, got hit. And what they did is the police reached out um, to the cyber attackers and then they immediately went ahead and, and gave um, the decryption keys um, so they could go ahead and um, decrypt. Um, but even as of last night, there, there's still been ramifications and trying to get systems back online and stuff along those lines. It appears that it was, it was more the VPN, probably the Citrix that they got hit. As you might recall, back in December, 2019, um, that is when that first vulnerability really um, came to fruition and really about a day before this, this really was really mentioned around September 9th or 10th, about a day before that is when it first really became um, public where advisories were going out for people to go ahead and to uh, secure that hole. And so more likely this had been sitting on that systems for, for many months and, and then was activated and, and caused this issue. And people say, well, why would you do that? Well, remember the ransomware, it's a billion dollar criminal industry. And so hackers often really do target businesses and shutting down technology and stealing data before, you know, they really demand millions of dollars in extortion money. And like I said, um, hospitals been hit many times before. And, and as the economy grows and, and, and we go more to a worldwide um, network, you know, we can see that really, um, really go. And, and, and most of us have believed that unfortunately a death or, or some sort of injury that is prolonged was inevitable. And unfortunately, the, this happened this, this time here. And so again, our, we go out to our, the family and, and we'll see what happens. 
um, here yeah. on this. Okay. And, 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 and um, negligent homicide is, is what they're looking at, at charging um, these people if they go ahead and, and, and catch the, the people who actually trigger that. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that plays out um, for sure. You know, so, so yeah, ransomware, I mean, has just been obviously, you know, plaguing the industry for, for a while now. Um, and, and, you know, even the cyber insurance world had to like, you know, completely shift around, right. Because it was the first real cyber threat that was, you know, disrupted their business model. Right. So I mean, it's just going to keep, you know, keep on going. Um, anything in terms of, you know, like specific, um, I know you're chatting with, with Ryan, you know, Calumber over at, uh, Proofpoint, you know, recently around some of the Loki bot techniques, anything from that conversation that you felt, uh, we should be bringing up here? Yes. And in recent other talks I've had with some other CISOs, it's been really interesting. And, and some of them talk behind the scenes some of the people who broker deals and, and how they're doing a lot of brokering. One of the things that we saw was, that was interesting more recently was, you know, even the companies who have had backups and encrypted backups. And so they're ready to go ahead and, and do, um, if unfortunately they did have a ransomware um, attack, then they had their backups ready to come back. And one of the more scary and ingenious ways was is that the attack what they did is they actually um, stole all the administration um, credentials and encrypted them. So the administrators couldn't even get to the background. Um, so that was pretty scary. Um, but in August, we saw the multi-million dollar, uh, you know, attempted hack and ransomware um, on Tesla. And that was made um, public by an employee who blew a whistle. So they had to deal with that. We saw the American tech company Garmin go down for several weeks um, and had paid $10 million, about a $10 million ransom. In the last month or so, Zeppelin ransomware variant has emerged again in the wild. Um, that's in, um, it's come down with a new Trojan downloader to evade, to evade actually antivirus applications and avoid detection. And according to the new um, Juniper Threat Labs research report, um, they first saw it around August 28th and using a domain registered on June 4th. And the command and control, so C2, um, as you'll see that. Um, the research believe that the malware um, is targeted right now, and it's not worldwide, so it's not the you know, spray and pray method. Um, but right now it's still difficult to assess how many targeted computers are involved to be in that command and control. Um, the infections begin in Word, Microsoft Word documents, and they, can, they contain a malicious macro. Right? The message users are, yeah. um, to, get, to get you, it might look like an, an invoice, might look from somebody who, who you should be able to trust, and what they do is they go ahead and then they look at the VPA, excuse me, the, they want to say VPA for everyone, the visual basic application macros in there. Um, back, um, Blackberry silence researchers, um, they said they saw the original one back in November 19th. And those were very targeted um, when they looked at those. And that was in the United States and it was in Europe and it was really against technology and healthcare. And um, here we're, we're looking at, you also see the people talking about it's a variant of the Vega, Vega locker, which they think originated in Russia. And then Proofpoint, as you mentioned, my friends were in Proofpoint. Um, back in June, they reported a really increase in ransomware attacks um, delivered for email-based phishing campaigns. 
Um, that was compared to 2019. It was really funny when I was talking to, um, and I'll, I'll give you some, some things I talked about Ryan. Ryan is the EVP or cyber um, security strategy over at ProPoint. Um, and him and I um, and ProPoint talk regularly. It was interesting that we've, we've noticed that the COVID-19 attacks are now on the, the downslide and now they're going back to more of the credential um, stealing. But there was a lull, you know, in July and August. It's kind of like almost like the, the fishing scammers, you know, went on vacation. So I was teasing people, maybe we should open up some theme parks and things like that. Maybe we'll get a, a longer um, reprieve from them. Um, but we did see um, our evil, um, ransom actors actively scanning the internet for vulnerable systems. That's really scary. They're looking for vulnerable VPN clients. Remember earlier I mentioned about the Citrix um, because they want to be able to get the ransomware payloads to be able to take over systems. Um, so we saw that. If, um, remote desktop protocol also is being um, looked right now. We've seen 37% um, increase or so um, of those credentials being stolen. That was um, CoreWave did a big um, paper on that that people can read. And the reason why it's so easy is you can get, you know, a ransomware rootkit for 20 bucks, 15 bucks on the dark web. So it's really easy to get into it. Um, and the last count by um, CoreWave that I talked about, CoreWave, was about 15 million compromised credentials are there on the dark web. And, and then we've seen, yeah, it's just nasty. It's never endless, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the amount of data amassed in, the, you know, in, as a tool to be leveraged by the adversaries, it just continues to grow and expand. And as the, you know, the climate changes in terms of, you know, you know, the, the things that you could leverage to try to trick people into clicking on a phishing email, whether to deliver, you know, ransomware or to, um, steal credentials, right. It's just, they keep constantly praying and leveraging those technically social engineering techniques um, it's never, it's just not going to stop. Right. But so, so I do want to switch gears, right. And kind of switch from your CISO hat to your chief privacy officer hat. I, you know, I love that you uh, play in both spaces, you know, recently, you know, the EU courts have invalidated the special data privacy shield granted to us firms. What, what does that really mean? What's the impact? Um, well, it's a great question, and um, just to tell you, so back in mid-July, Europe's highest court determined that the transatlantic data transfer deal was invalid because of concerns on U.S. surveillance, and that decision really disrupted, you know, thousands of companies that rely on the agreement. Um, the ruling, which cannot be appealed, uh, effectively ended the privileged access companies in the United States had to personal data from Europe, and puts the United States really on footing with the other nations outside the 27 country block of the EU. To let people know the privacy shield was set up in 2016 by Washington and Brussels, and that was to protect personal data when it's sent to the United States for commercial use. After a previous agreement, known as Safe Harbor, was invalid in 2015. And again, that, that affects like well over 5,000 um, companies. And, the case was triggered by the long-running dispute between Facebook and Austrian privacy Mac, um, activist Max Schemes, um, which was, he really came to fame when he was part of the overruling safe harbor. So think of that as what we call Schemes 1, and now this is Schemes 2. Right. Um, so the U.S. Um, Commerce has said that it's going to remain in close contract with the, um, the European Commission to try and limit the negative consequence of the ruling. And so most of us are kind of like 
and a wait and see um, what's going to be happening going forward because something needs to be done. So what about like Switzerland? Have they weighed in at all? Yeah, they've come out in agreement with their counterparts in the EU and that the U.S. does not satisfy the standards required to protect U.S. citizens, excuse me, Swiss citizens when transferring their data. Um, they have the same concerns over the U.S. surveillance activities. So in a position paper um, by the Federal Data Protection of Switzerland, um, it reassessed the data protection policy following recent ones by EU court and said that although, although it guarantees special protection rights for persons in Switzerland, it doesn't provide an adequate level of protection for data transfers to Switzerland's U.S. Um, everyone needs to remember that Switzerland is not part of the EU. However, its decisions tracks closely with the EU court decision. And even though it said it doesn't have authority to void the U.S. PAC, remember, um, it has deleted its reference to adequate data protection under certain conditions. So it has advised Swiss company transferring data to countries um, where adequate protection is no longer there to redo their contracts, to, redo, to address those laws, and to look at technical measures that effectively prevent the authorities um, in the destination country from assessing the transfer of personal data. So rework needs to be done in those contracts. Yeah, so what's the fix? I mean, is there a replacement here? I mean, what, how are we gonna move forward? Uh, no, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's not a quick, quick fix um, for the now invalidated privacy shield. Um, when, there's a couple of things for that. It's really political in nature, as you said before, is US surveillance. So it, it's gonna make resolution harder. And then we have, you know, the, you know, who's gonna be president um, going forward and in 2021 for the country. So really things are going to be a little bit on hold for that. And then they're, they're actually going ahead and they're saying, hey, how can we go ahead and, and look more futuristic and find a more sustainable solution, which I agree with, right? Because for me, if you've had two basic rewrites in the last five years, it's not been very sustainable. And the other problem that we're having right now is the EU data authorities called the DPAs, they're all taking very reviews to the extent the companies need to check with the standard contractual clauses um, to make it suitable. And that, that's going to make enforcement really fragmented and hard. So there needs to be more coordinated response, and then there needs to be a more global way that that's going to be due um, to improve how they're going to handle, handle all that. So it'd be a good time to actually go ahead and look at that. So we need new um, SECs to better reflect the you know, the realities of the data processing operations and, and to look more like, for example, can we enable multiple policies to sign SECs to allow the session of new parties? So you think about, we do that in contracts, right? We go ahead and, and look contracts and how they very quickly can, um, you know, flow to other companies you do business with. How can we expand those very quickly? And so it gives them a chance to look more holistically as we move to a brighter future worldwide. And then earlier this month, the European Data Protection Board announced that it's created a, a task force really to, to look at all these things and then how we actually gonna ensure adequate protection um, when transferring to third parties holistically. So to summarize all that, stay tuned. And why Shams 2 saw the demise of Privacy Shield, the reboot, remake, you know, sequel, you know, it's being right. determined. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, right? It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, man, I can't wait to dive into some, what are the, some other countries are doing here. But we got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. 
Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from Global CISO, Chief Privacy Officer and VP of Eternal Audit for 247.ai, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure security-innovation.org or google signet s-i-n-e-t have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice america talk radio network and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for voice america You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Global CISO, Chief Privacy Officer, VP. Audit for 247.ai, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. So the good doctor <laughs> talked a lot about, you know, what's going on with Privacy Shield and the changes there and some of the impacts. But any other interesting changes in the privacy landscape that are going on? Any other countries got anything different going on that we need to focus on? Um, there's been a lot. Of, and let me, well, I'll cover like the four countries that have been more recently in the news. And so that's 
Australia, Brazil, India, and Japan. And please forgive me if, if there's one there I, I, I forgot for anybody on, on, on the phone, they can ping me on LinkedIn. So last month, Australia's um, government released what was highly anticipated, which was their cybersecurity strategy 2020. And the stated aim was to create a more secure online world for Australians and their businesses. And so we were really waiting for that. And so it had some really cool key initiatives. Um, so one of the things was to enhance the critical infrastructure and the regulatory framework um, and how that's going to be delivered will be through the SEI um, Act, which um, means it's going to have structure and all that kind of stuff around it. Um, it flagged that it's going to consider um, a bunch of different reforms um, during consultation with businesses, so business can be involved in that. And that will include things like um, privacy, consumer and data protection laws, um, director duties, and obligations on like manufacturers and the internet of connected devices, which is really going to be critical. Um, new powers will allow the government to act against sophisticated cyber attacks. We've talked a lot about that today. Um, there'll be a voluntary code of uh, practice for internet, internet of things, a lot of other great stuff. So all really good stuff right there. Then Brazil um, earlier this year published its first national cybersecurity um, strategy. And what they were trying to do is bring a number of separate initiatives and policies to raise awareness on issues. And they say a cybersecurity bill is to follow. And Brazil is interesting because, you know, it's been known for being a cyber, cyber crime hotbed over the years, particularly last year, like when I talked about banking Trojans, and that's affected local and the foreign banks. And so according to Kapersky, um, what they noticed is on mobile devices, just February, March is when, you know, the COVID started to take hold. There was a 124% increase, which made Brazil the fifth most attacked in the world. And so meanwhile, the, the security and intelligence reports, um, last ones I looked at, there's about 700 new COVID-19 related malicious websites that came out of Brazil this year. It's probably way higher now. Um, so as we find the next report coming out. And that's really just trying to exploit them during this pandemic. So even though legislation really has not been a problem in Brazil, it's the enforcement and responsiveness to that they really need to improve. So stay tuned, time will tell on that one. India's um, prime minister during the Independence Day speech um, had a really detailed announcement that India will have a really new robust cybersecurity policy. And one of the things is the Internet Crime Report of 2019, um, which is made by the FBI um, for the United States, always mentions that India um, is among the top 10, um, excuse me, top 20 countries in uh, Internet crimes. I think they're like third on that list. So the announcement on drafting cybersecurity policy is, is really much needed by the country right now. Um, even though they've moved towards achieving um, big transformation in terms of digital movement, you know, they're still very much so in the infinite state when it comes to cybersecurity. So listening to that speech, and you can also read that speech, is really um, positive to look at them moving forward in the future. But time will, will need to be taken on that. Japan, even uh, a few weeks ago, um, noted that there made some changes to its uh, Protection Personal Information Act. 
And what that does is that brings that whole bill closer to the GDPR. They cover um, things, um, data um, breach reporting to use like facial recognition, how data is gathered from devices, security cameras, and used to be able to, to go ahead and report breaches by mail or fax by them. And now you're going to have to use an official form. So that's always really good. And then when processing like the images, the intended use needs to be stated immediately, which I always strongly believe in. And what they'll do too is tell people that you have to be very, very clear on how you're going to use the images and, and things along those lines. So to get, get everybody to be able to, to go ahead and, and to, to tighten the, how they're going to um, get people to give their permissions along that. Um, you as a data subject now have, you know, rights to, to ask for your information to be corrected or deleted. And, um, and that you really make sure that your, your interests haven't been breached. So those are all really, really good. And then, you know, I should just say too, that that brings Japan closer to the Asian front. You know, Korea has been really leading them on those lines. We saw, you know, things happening in Thailand. They have a new law similar in many respects. Um, Vietnam, new law, um, also for GDPR. So we see that whole area really trying to come in love. A lot of respects in line with GDPR or China's cybersecurity law. Yeah, it's always interesting chatting with, you know, the international regulation regulators and, and, and some of them are, you know, they go on this journey. We've, you know, I've found myself in situations where we're having to educate them so they figure out where they want to, you know, take it and what are the, you know, how does the, the regulatory landscape kind of intersect with the operations of a company and where their challenges are going to be? And you know, do they really want to pass it that way? Do they really mean that language that way? Because uh, I think it's fascinating as you were trying to almost you know, jointly having to educate in privacy to make sure that um, what the regulatory landscape puts into, you know, into law that people can actually comply with, that they're going to make sense, that they're not going to be too, you know, cumbersome. So I, I appreciate you sharing that global global review uh, for our audience because it's it's a complex one, and not everybody has, um, you know, kind of a front row seat to kind of being a part of that. So thanks for sharing that. Before before we bounce on out of here, though, I got to ask you, you know, you're an avid reader, um, you got a great global view. Something cool that you read that you think will be great for our audience to, to, to pick up and check out. Andy, you and George always keeps me on my toes. Um, <clears throat> so one of the interesting things that got me thinking on one of my weird tangents is um, seeing that the Russian top scientist here today um, wants to claim that Venus is a Russian planet. Like, <laughs> they got me thinking about cybersecurity and protecting cyberspace. Um, and that, what that did is it led me to, to read a really informative article by Tom Burt, who's a corporate vice president um, of customer security and trust for Microsoft. And that led me into reading a white paper by the Cyberspace Solarium Commission. To be honest with you, I didn't even know they existed. Uh, <laughs> so as audience knows, our, the cyber attacks are increasing every day and attacks are threatening or damaging our enterprises and critical infrastructure and and then we look at how we use banking and commerce and things along those lines. And so you know, many of the ideas put forth by commission reports have become even more important um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And so it was really interesting reading their pandemic white paper and, and then how they're really looking about trying to go ahead and um, enhance what we do here in the United States. But looking at that beyond the world, 
you know, because we're really in a cyber war worldwide, is, is how we should really, in my viewpoint, how we should be having acceptable behavior. And, and we talked earlier uh, about, you know, the, the German and hack and the ransomware and, the, and, and how the neglect um, could have led to, you know, a, you know, possible um, negligent homicide against the ransomware people is really, you know, what are we going to have as acceptable uh, worldwide um, behavior? And, and I would tell you the, you know, hackers have told us during COVID that they wouldn't be attacking hospitals and things like that, but things like that happen. So, you know, it's just one of those things as we look through it from a global wise, um, what are we going to do? And, and I think most of the listeners know that I'm a founding member of Better Cybersecurity Coalition. And, and what we do is, is we really say, hey, we just really need a better cybersecurity blueprint. You know, and if people forget if cybercrime were a country, they would have the 13th highest GDP, so gross national product in the world. And, and even in 2018, the statistics that are up in there is, is cybercrime generating more than $1.5 trillion of profit in U.S. dollars. And let me say again, $1.5 trillion of profit. And that's about the gross national product of Russia. So that's huge. So, you know, business leaders really just need to accept the reality that cyber attacks are here to stay. And so by policymakers debate and come up with different regulatory frameworks and different policies and bills and things along those lines, we all need to really focus on improving our security posture and prepare organizations to face the crises that are gonna come Remember, cyber criminals only need to succeed once, but cybersecurity needs to succeed every single time. So you, so you really just, you have to bake in design for cyber attacks by following the principles of security and privacy by design and default. So true. I mean, I love that perspective, right? 1.5 trillion matching the GDP. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's just insane. And it's not going away. It's only going to get bigger. Rebecca, as usual, time has flown by. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Andy. It's always a pleasure to be here with the Task Force 7 family and love to come back again someday. Absolutely. All right, folks, time for us to bounce up on out of here. But before I go, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to get a recap of tonight's show and to get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at CSHUB.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.